and a one and a two and a one two three four hello welcome to house of strauss welcome to industry talk welcome to my co-host on this fine evening the one the only ryan glassbeagle of the new york post how you doing ryan i'm doing good is ethan's audio messed up for anyone else it's not inaudible but it's a little blurry Sounds like dogs are barking. I'm I'm walking back from Wrigley Field right now, and there was like a group of people. Oh my god, a dog just ran into the street! Holy crap! (laughs) This is insane. Oh my god, the car stopped. It was like it got off the leash. This couple was walking like legit eight dogs. One of them got off the leash right after barking at me and ran right into the street, and a car like stopped before hitting it. That was. Just insane play-by-play, folks. Uh, I mean, that is... I don't even know how to react to that. I, I can't... Uh, I was, like, I was like taking an uneventful route so that, like, something was, like, the least likely to disturb it, too. I, I mean, I could hear the drama on the other end, even without the narration. Well... <laughs> All right, sorry. Let's uh, carry let's, on. Let's, let's reset, reset. <laughs> so, it's House of Strauss Industry Stock. Uh, I think we will discuss some of the happenings uh, with viewership. Uh, We might discuss how I interviewed a YouTuber who may be the biggest NBA media personality, only nobody in NBA media has heard of him. What is this paradox? What is with YouTube? Um, But first, first, our our finest show, Ryan, our greatest show, first day. Um, Um, (laughs) You know, I hope when historians in a distant future um, excavate our (laughs) modern era that they just find so many of these first take clips and use that to inform their opinions on our society. You want us to use a capsule, maybe send it off to the SETI project to, uh, if there is intelligent life out there, that they should interpret our humanity uh, through Stephen A. and uh, his brilliant performances. Well, I want to get into it just because I'm fascinated by the whole production. You know, sue me. I enjoy me some first take, okay? And there was this thing that has lit up the internet today where J.J. Reddick uh, really took it to Mad Dog Chris Russo over Draymond Green. I mean, there's so much expository. How do you even get into it? And the question, this might even be a running segment on the I think show everyone right. had to have seen it by now. Like, this is one of those clips everybody sees. Yeah. But, um... I'll do the expository. All right, go the, ahead. I'll do the thing. Um, so, uh, Draymond uh, flipped off fans uh, in Memphis. Uh, after well, you have to back it up. He got elbowed in the face. Yeah, and he's, elbowed, like, down. He's bleeding. He's mad. They're cheering. He flips them off. Then in the press conference, he's asked about it. He says that if you're going to be nasty to me, I can be nasty to you. I make $25 million, so the fine, you know, is basically whatever. And, Ask uh, Trayvon. I'll just do an appearance and make up your year's pay. Effectively, yes. Provocative. Uh, provocative, I would say. Uh, you know, eliciting a reaction from Mad Dog Russo of... Uh, you know, shut up and play. Shut up and play. You know, I'm um, tired of Draymond Green. How can you root for him? Shut up and play. Uh, so yeah, so he does that. You know, it's, I've got this weird thing. I've got this this sense of where the boundaries are. I think I piss people off sometimes because I know where the boundaries are, but I just I get annoyed that they exist. 
right? Well, like I knew when he, that was said. You know, there's that little kind of wince of, ooh, that sounds like Laura Ingram. You know, sounds like <laughs> the dribble. This is gonna be a thing. This is gonna be a thing. You know but, what the but, thing is though? The people. I'm going on a tangent, and then we'll get back yeah. to this. But the people who are so speaking such like hushed tones about Laura Ingram saying that to LeBron, or now Russo saying it to Draymond Green are not athlete-free speech absolutists, Ethan. No. They don't think that, like, Kyrie or um, no. Paul O'Neill or Aaron Rodgers, like, deserves the form to expound on all of their thoughts. It so is, There is a lack of consistency. But before we get into any of that, I'm asking the question, real or kayfabe? That is what this segment is called. Because you've been telling me for a while that this is the dynamic that they want on first take. It seemed a little inorganic to me. It seemed a little suspicious to me. Why is Russo bringing up the old fans? Why is he bringing up Bob Cousy? And then you've got J.J. Redick, and he's the good kind of, you know, in a way it might be brilliant. If they really are planning it, it's brilliant. Because you've got somebody who's playing to certain segments of Twitter and NBA Reddit and J.J. Redick, and he's being cheered. And then the uh, cable the cable watcher is enjoying Russo and you can just have your cake and eat it too that way. So I think that what people might assume is that first take, they kind of just stroll into the building, don't know what each other are going to say and go after it, come what may, and like think that it's all improv. But it's a, it's a combined like rehearsed and improv production. They have these, they practice these debates before they go on air and they know where each other are going generally. And so they may still get emotional about it, but they're not reacting to this shocking bit of opinion having for the first time. And so it's a little bit like pro wrestling where they're in like the attention seeking business. They want the limelight. They want us talking about this. We're giving them massive relevance to our influential audience. And Everybody writes it up, and it, it gets um, shared everywhere. But it, it's like wrestling where it's a combination of, like, ha- how they really feel, but drummed up to try yeah. and make it dramatic. Yeah, which is a hell of a thing. I mean, they brought Russo in as this new, this new guy to mix it up, and I wonder if they tell him that you're effectively going to take a, a fall with people who are respectable right now. Well, and so here's the be, thing, though. You're going to be accused of racist undertones. Go. But, um, you know, so there's a, a bunch of elements of this where there's a short quip of everyone sees of Reddick kind of, you know, going on the attack and, like, but, like you know, doing, like, the um, He has a the podcast, dog. Ryan. America wants to hear from him. You Sorry. know, like, Caesar the Dog Whisperer, how he would, like, you know... Um, shock the dogs. That's what Reddick is doing to the mad dog. But um, it's not like if you want. So that was what you see in like the viral Twitter clips. But what you don't see is Stephen A. taking the middle and diffusing it. So after yeah. like the social clips and um, Stephen A. is like, there's look, there's no racial undertones here. I know doggy, first of all. <laughs> I love how he calls him doggy. I love it. And, and um, and Reddick's like, no, I know there aren't any racial undertones with it. And then so, and then Stephen A goes, so there's a whole hell of a lot of Mad Dog Russos out there, and they're not all in their 60s. They're in their 50s, their 40s, <laughs> even their 30s. People don't want to hear 
I make twenty five million dollars a year. But are, are we are we those people? Are we the ones in our in our thirties? Are we the Mad Dog? Guy? All right. So here's the thing. I'm with Mad Dog on the twenty five million dollar a year thing. I have no issue with Draymond flipping off the crowd. I have no issue with him not apologizing for it. Sports are better drama when we have theater like this and i'm not going to complain about things that are interesting what i don't like is that i make 25 million dollars thing like i think that we've reached a point where our elite performers are classist and first take i accused them of this last week they were razzing dan orlovsky for um not flying first class with his whole family which is a cost of fortune like if he's got like several kids and stuff and so you know, they were razzing him and like saying, oh, your wife should leave you for being cheap and stuff. Or like you should be suspended for two weeks from marriage. And it was like really weird. But I don't like this idea of the athletes broadcasting to the whole world. I'm better than you and you know it. Mm. Even though we watch them because a lot of us feel like they are better than us at some level. Or right, we, we know, look, we already know they're better than us. We know what their salaries are. It's yeah. just like, don't rub our noses in it and make us smell it, you know? Yeah, I guess it just comes down to they don't necessarily feel any responsibility to the brand in that way, I suppose. And... You know, he's going to say what he's going to say. It's funny, though. I mean, the, watching the dynamics of somebody not around the team who is familiar with the team, it's funny to me that this is happening and that Draymond is uh, kind of live podcasting the entire playoff run. <laughs> yeah, um, I think and- that – I do think, though, that, um, like, he has absolutely the right, in my mind, to flip off people who are razzing him when he's been – the recipient of an elbow to the face. I really have no problem yeah. with him doing that. I have no problem with him not apologizing. Just don't, like, brag about your wealth. Like, because you're not just speaking to the people who were verbally abusing you. You're speaking poor, to everybody. Draymond. We don't like it. We don't like feeling that poor. God damn it. I know. No, I, 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 like, gas is $5. You don't need to rub it in. I get it. You can afford it. <laughs> now, I thought, you know what's funny? Because the initial, ta- the initial clip I saw, the initial clip I saw, as Fast and the Furious is happening in the background. Um, <laughs> I thought they were talking about him doing all the podcasting and everything else. Because that, that's the part to me that just feels a little new and a little bit, as you said, hey, I root for content, I root for interesting. But is this uncharted territory where a guy is just potting constantly through his playoff run? And it's, he's, he's not saving all the best stuff for it either. He could have just—he could have said no comment in the press conference and then gone to his pod. But yeah, it's that—that that aspect of it well, is he, wild, and I he, do think it is uncharted. The um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that he—he's very savvy with it. Back in the day, he would—he would ask sometimes for one of us to ask him a specific question to set him up. When I was on the beat, where it was. Hey, ask about that thing that happened in the third quarter. Oh, and, he's hey, another character in the whole first take drama. He knows yeah. that he's stirring up big, like, emotional segments out of it, too, and he's relishing it. Like, he loves this moment in the spotlight, and this series is going to be so incredible. But I'll tell you this, he better win this series, because if they lose this series with him spending all this time on outside projects 
it's going to be a hornet's nest. Well, yeah, and I know how Steve Kerr feels about it. It was so interesting to watch Kerr ask about the flagrant foul that Draymond got ejected for, and you would think in a playoff series you're trying to work yourself an advantage. You're trying to put pressure on the ref, say you were wrong, get a point knocked off, right? Because if you keep collecting those points, you get suspended. Steve didn't even, he didn't have, like, he just did not have the heart to defend him. <laughs> he did not. He did not do it. And he really so, ripped into Dylan Brooks. You can tell what the coaches really care about <laughs> by how, like, pointed they get on the topic and how snippety. Well, yeah, I felt like that was uh, so mad at um, Kentucky that they're going to slap a few years on Cleveland State. That, uh, it, it, But, no, I think that legitimately angry although that's a whole other thing i don't know when when kerr said for those who don't know he said that dylan brooks broke the code by injuring gary payton um on that drive is there a code i mean i don't know if brooks intentionally got him injured i think he was out of control probably trying to foul him to stop the layup and he plays out of control all the time but that was that was interesting to watch uh, to watch the emotions right i mean i know you want to handle it later on but Maybe this is the reason that the playoff ratings are way up. It feels real. It feels visceral. It feels yeah. It feels like they really want to win. It does. Yeah. It doesn't feel like some sort of and it's not preordained either. Like the it's it's not you know everyone. There are a lot of people who are saying that the four years in a row of Warriors Heat were great, and I guess to some extent. The numbers bear that out, but now we're seeing how great it is when the champion isn't actually preordained. I think there's some of that, although, I mean, I, I gravitate to the Warriors, of course. I don't know if I would if not for the connection, but the, that's just, that's the element. It's a lot of fun to have back. It's a lot of fun to watch. Do they still have the magic in them? And then you've got the Ascendant Grizzlies. It's just an incredible, incredible series. Um, I'm not going to go into basketball takes. I'm trying to avoid that, right? <laughs> Let's get back to Redick then, because we can go in a different direction with him, sure. which is that in Redick and Perk, ESPN has all of a sudden these two analysts who are not afraid to really mix it up and treat this like it's for our entertainment. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if Redick's doing that. I think Redick's doing a whole other thing. No, he's absolutely he they got he got a bunch of attention for going at dog over the like Bob Cousy versus Chris Paul debate. He see you see I, like people respond it, to incentives. It's total kayfabe. I mean the idea that Russo wants to go in there and talk Bob Cousy, you know? <laughs> like this is set up and also it's just Bob Cousy is this weird character. I guess on NBA Twitter where everybody has to be performatively quite dismissive of this guy who played basketball in the nineteen fifties because what? Because because he wouldn't be he wouldn't like he People are just so tired of hearing about him, like it's like, look, I get it, Bob Cousy was good. Leave me alone. Well or that he was good for then, but today he'd be bad and that's just how time goes in, in sports. But but it becomes a thing. It's a very internet thing. I think they, they plan it. But J.J. Redick, I feel like, is almost mocking the medium uh, when he's doing his performances. It's like a David Letterman, uh, I'm making fun of the show while doing the show. So <laughs> he's a good basketball analyst. Um, he's a good basketball analyst. I think that's what he's best at. But he's in this other – he's almost like the Tribune 
for the um, NBA media person or NBA Twitter. He's he's what they think of the show. He gives the impression of thinking the show is stupid, which it is, but it's also brilliant. What's but, funny, but though, is like, and, and Stephen A. tried to get at this, is Russo has been, you know, a cultural elite for a really long time now. Like, for over 30 years, he's been very well compensated and, like, very successful in his career in like terms of his like reach and relevance and so it's funny that he of all people who's now been so like he's been really rich and famous in this line of work for a while that he's the one who has to speak for the common person because no one else will i i feel like they dress him up for it his suit is too large his (laughs) hair looks all crazy he looks like quinn snyder in the third quarter all windswept, like Joaquin Phoenix is going to play him in a movie. It, it's like they're trying he, to make he also, him look he like know, a He man. knows, though, that he has the general public on his side. He speaks with the conviction of someone who has, like, accurately assessed that his views are the popular ones. He is riding the preference cascade, this man, uh, Chris Mad Dog. But it's funny because on Twitter, he's the bad guy because Twitter yeah. is this 10% of the population that has, and this has like been well documented, it has a lot of kind of lopsided towards um, Democrats. And so the, the, the mood on Twitter is that, oh, look, J.J. Reddick owned Mad Dog. The mood on the amount of like the viewers who are watching it on TV is a full show. I would guarantee you Dog has the majority of them. Just picturing working class people watching undertones. What do you mean undertones? <laughs> well, it's they just saw a lot of people all just saw everyone tell Aaron Rodgers and to like shut up and throw it deep. Yeah, they did do that, and I think there's also this other thing where the concept that you mean something more nefarious beyond what you're saying is a very popular concept among the educated, or let's say overeducated. Yeah, more like, you know, Mad Dog would say the same thing about a Johnny Manziel. Oh, and there's one other underrated part of his argument where he went in the aside, like, look, I know J-Bod Green is an excellent player and he's essential to that system of what they do. And he's gritting his teeth saying that because that's about as big of a compliment as he'll ever give an athlete. (laughs) In his world, that's like super, 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 super significant. And he hated having to admit it i got i know some people are probably listening saying what are you guys doing talking all this this first take but i just all the it's the the nerve center of espn it's the weird class thing there's a race element i'm questioning oh no oh no what city are you in i'm in chicago there's a fire engine and i was like trying to avoid it I'm trying to take back streets, and I keep finding trouble. I'm it's, sorry. I will do this at home from now on, it's, or at it's, least in a car. It's okay. It's okay. I, I, there's a lot going on. I, I question sometimes if I'm, if I'm becoming racist against a white NBA analyst just because they're so neurotic and reluctant <laughs> to criticize a player. I just want Stephen A. You know, threatening Kyrie Irving. Like that's my happy space. Like, that's what I want. It's so fun and like. You know, just you are the most delusional athlete in American sports history. 
No, I love when he threatens. I like like when he's the Joker that, you know... I'm not going to let... He's trying to get away with something that I am not going to let him get away with. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it, it is really the height of American theater. And uh, I'm glad that it's back with full force with some uh, NBA playoffs that are also doing quite well. If we're doing our real or kayfabe, do you buy the ratings, Ryan? You did a... <sighs> Excellent podcast. Thank it was you. just made for me. It was made <laughs> for me. Um, you, with the uh, sports rating, TV man, uh, you and him. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. I feel Bob terrible. Sideman. Bob Sideman. Bob Sideman. feel awful. I should know that. I've had conversations with him. Terrible. Yes. But, you know, he is really into this and has been into this for decades. And obviously you are really into this. I'm really into this. We want to know what American opinion is. But it has been totally confounded by Nielsen uh, getting bullied by the broadcasters and changing their metrics, which <laughs> all the broadcasters are presenting as growth. And so we don't know what the truth is anymore. He said something, and forgive me if I'm incorrectly conveying it, that he now believes that out of home, this thing that they added in fall of 2020 and made adjustments to, accounts for... A 15% rise in the ratings for yes. these uh, sports games? Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> it's big. It's double digits. <laughs> that is a lot. I mean, nobody has any incentive to say, I suppose, what's happening. If advertisers have an issue with it and they've got info... Well, that's the thing is the advertisers are over a barrel because all the like, internet metrics are all bullshit, too. And so everybody's bullshitting. No one knows what's real. What you do know is that live sports are the best vehicle to reach millions of people at the exact same time. And there's a finite amount of inventory for that. Even though we know sports are on in so many windows, there's only so many like spots where you can reach, what is it, like six, seven million in a Warriors yeah. game? And so... Like to reach those people, not only in aggregate, but all at one time, regardless of what you're saying is enormously powerful. So they kind of just have to take the rates that they're given. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing ESPN is saying that uh, Tuesday's Penguins Rangers, the most watched first round Stanley playoff, uh, Stanley Cup playoff game ever on cable. It's um, it's boomtown right now. And it's it's very difficult. I mean. It is, and and it's double boomtown because all of these leagues, all of these teams, and all of these sports networks are just getting a massive amount of money from gambling marketers. And so, like, it's double boom because their numbers are allegedly higher than ever, and they have this whole new massive spending group feeding them money. The only reason it wouldn't be boomtown would be on the TV contract end of it because... As the NBA is trying to ink a deal, um, streaming has taken a hit out there. Uh, and the Disney stock has been collapsing. Um, so I wonder, I mean, th this is big stuff, probably above our pay grade. But do you think that might be a factor and might provoke a, a sports recession even as the, uh, the viewership is going up? I don't think so because that just makes... If they're vulnerable, it just makes them more dependent on what they've already got. That's the, the Ben Thompson theory, that it just makes them need it more uh, as an anchor to windward. Um, yeah, that sounds about it's, right. It, well, so, okay, we all know that 
the NBA does not hold a candle to the NFL in viewership. That's been well documented. The NFL just dwarfs it to proportions where people would like their jaw would drop if we spent the next 20 minutes spelling it all out. But no one really cares. And so, but look at the windows where the NBA is on. Look at how ESPN and TNT, to like borrow what Marshan and Oren said on their pod, look how they're just going to own the next month and a half. If you lose the NBA, you lose that. And so they need it. Yeah, the NBA, um, I think, has had a very good few weeks. And baseball has kind of shit the bed relative. I think, you know, we criticize the NBA. I've criticized the NBA. I think it's a much better run league than baseball. Um, and in a way, Manfred is almost like, uh, he, he almost wants to be like Adam Silver and sometimes copy Adam Silver's mistakes. Uh, he's so clueless uh, <laughs> about how to run that league. So, yeah, I, I think that the NBA, I think, is having some good times. The MLB, not so much. Would you agree? Would you say that I'm underrating baseball? I think you're underrating baseball. Um, that this is the time where they're providing, you know, local TV tonnage. This isn't the period of time where they make their bread and butter money. They make, they're like a June through October league in terms of like their key revenue drivers, and so I. They have a ton of exciting young stars too, and it's almost like not mess upable. And the, like the Mets and Yankees have the best records of baseball. Like the advantage baseball has had over the NBA over the last five or whatever years is that the market, the big markets in baseball have all been really good and competitive. Well, and I think that's helped the NBA to a degree that they've gotten some more life out of the northeastern markets. Uh, that is the greatest concentration of media and population in the country. And for years, totally dead not a prayer of winning a championship in the NBA. Uh, now at least you have Boston competitive and you've had, you have Sixers, the Sixers. are on the fringe, I yeah. guess. I mean, and, you know, I, I would include even though it's not regionally a part of it, but I think uh, Chicago coming back and being a presence has also been helpful. So the Nets were like big nationally, but it didn't matter that what the market was like, they no. would have been the same national if they played in like Oklahoma city, it was like Durant and Irving playing there. That's yeah. where they should go. They'd be so appreciated there. Oh, yeah. No, that's that, well, for a while. And then they would wear out their welcome. Well, I guess uh, we, we will take questions from anybody who wants to take questions. I, I wonder, I wonder, I just want to throw this out to you because I'm, I've been noodling with this idea. I wrote about it. I interviewed perhaps the biggest NBA YouTuber, um, a, a guy by the name of Grayson Anderson. YouTube name Jimmy High Roller, 2 million subscribers on YouTube. Every video gets over a million views. Nobody I know in the industry has ever heard of him. And yet I kept running into people in real life, friends from college, people at a Seder who knew who this guy was. What the fuck is that? What does that mean? Is this guy the biggest name in NBA media, uh, despite nobody in NBA media ever having heard of him? <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't think that he's bigger than, like, you know, Barkley or Stephen A. Smith or Woj or Shams. But, yeah, no. he's in the top, what, 10? Like, I don't know. Do you Where do you put him versus Zach Lowe? 
Ooh, I would, I, you know what? I throw out this question because it's provocative, but I'd have to be a traditionalist. I'd have to give Lowe the edge. Okay, so we want to do a list of how many are ahead of him. We've got, not counting former I don't players. To, I don't want to include... No former players, so no Barkley or whatever. Yeah, Just anybody yeah. who didn't play. I want a content creator. You know, okay, I, okay. I don't even know if I'd include a guy like Stephen A. Just because Would they're you? on TV, I, it's a different it's a different thing. I need somebody who who writes a thing or records a thing with their own you know with their own hands. That's what I'm. Okay, wait. For. Here's a good one. Um, I've been long been a big like worldwide Wob guy. How do you? He's huge on Twitter. He's had big jobs. Um, he like. He's a big tastemaker on Twitter. Like, if he spotlights something, then everyone's talking about it. Like that Scott Foster video today. That sat there with nobody seeing it for, like, six hours. He amplifies it, and then everybody's sharing it immediately. Where do you put this YouTuber versus him? Ooh, because Rob, his name's Rob Perez, um, is more culturally influential, I think. He has the ability to shift the culture. But in terms of people going to a guy repeatedly... For something, people, you know, I don't think the people that Seder would have known would have known about Rob. I got to give the edge to Jimmy Highroller. That's going to piss Rob off. I like Rob. It's going to piss him off, but I got to do it. All right. He, I, he, um, so, no, I mean, know I know. I love Worldwide Wob. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I don't know. I'm going to argue that Wob's influence is what I would prefer. At least, like, if you're breaking it down of like a binary choice, who would you, who's, like career would you rather be if you had to choose one of them so it's a um it is a fascinating thing though because there are all these um networks are kind of distinct universes there are people who are huge on instagram and nowhere else people who are huge on snapchat people who are huge on tiktok like you wouldn't believe how much traffic the new york post gets just from aggregating tiktok like it's wild and it's that's a avenue that i just have no clue how to um penetrate yeah that's the strange thing about about youtube is that it's so compartmentalized and yet everywhere and how i mean i mentioned mr beast mr beast the top youtuber has a video with 247 million people not only that he's hired a team to farm out the audio for his videos in all these other languages so around the world People are watching and listening to Mr. Beast videos. Even like, Brazil. you know, kids are like playing with toys. This like Russian kids, Diana and Roma, that my kid used to watch. Like, yeah. or this guy Blippi. Like, you know, these people oh, are enormous stars. I'm a little wary of Blippi. Oh, I'm just, I would not don't leave get me started Blippi. on Blippi. I would, not, I would not leave Blippi alone with my son. Uh, he's good at what he does, but I'm a little, a little creeped out by Blippi. Um, yeah, but but I, what I'm saying is, okay, so is Mr. Beast then the most famous entertainer on Earth? I mean... No, he's not more famous than, like, Kim Kardashian or The Rock. Like, the, uh, the, the, the these views, you know how TV ratings are ginned up. You have no idea how YouTubes get ginned up. That's true. That's true. I mean... Mr. Beast is a special case because he's oh he's in, he's huge he's huge I'm not disputing that no, I'm, I'm disputing also, the scale he's doing a weird thing not a weird thing a very smart thing by translating what he's doing to Spanish 
to Portuguese to just any language. And it's not easy to appeal to all those cultures either. Like, that's a very um, unique skill. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I like the idea of where would Jimmy Highroller rank. It's a it's an intri- it's an interesting idea. It's an intriguing idea. But let's let's take a <laughs> let's take a question or two. Let's, let's uh, do it. Been yapping enough. Uh, make Jonathan the next caller. Jonathan, Jonathan. Ryan is huffing and puffing, man. How much you how much are you walking? <laughs> um, I, hey, Jonathan. I it's hi. Good evening. Good evening. Hi. I uh, speaking of NBA media, I was interested to uh, think back on how much I used to consume of ESPN 10, 15 years ago, and what I do now. And it's down about ninety five percent. No television. I don't watch the live games, but I kind of know what's going on through House of Strauss, through podcasts. And so specifically, I was thinking about Zach Lowe at ESPN and Brian Windhorst. I really like both of them. They're very smart, very perceptive. They're quick. They're knowledgeable. They have good sourcing. But you can just tell that there's plenty of topics where they're really biting their tongue and they're kind of bursting, (laughs) you know, behind the microphone. And specifically, Ethan, the article you wrote about Woj and the Nets Sixers trade was really insightful on how that actually worked with Woj potentially, you know, protecting a source and helping out a source that he wanted to cultivate that long-term relationship with. And you know that Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst just, you know, I don't know if they're seething, but I imagine they're really annoyed. So I'm just curious how that you know, works day to day. I, I almost want to, you know, get a hold of Brian Windhorst and say, Hey, I, I really like you. Let's have lunch and let me convince you to come to Substack <laughs> and I'll pay you. I'll pay you and we can just let you unload. Yeah. If and, Windhorst and unloaded on Substack, I can't even imagine what he would make. Oh man, I would be very, I mean, I would subscribe. And thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm, I'm going to mole how to handle this question with care. And uh, mole what I want to say. Wait a second. I want to tell the people that I want to. I want everything. I no holds barred. You know, unfiltered. <laughs> That's what you get here. That's what you're getting. Um, it's tricky because I have an idea, right? And I would broaden it beyond them and say that a lot of people have felt constrained and felt like you can't step on anybody's toes because certain news needs to be broken. Uh, we're all about the news breaking. But it's less angst coming from from them, I think. The people who have had the issues with Woj are on the TV side because that's the awkward fit. I mean, the way it's structured over there is that Jimmy Pitaro, uh runs ESPN. He came up with Woj at Yahoo. So that's Woj's rabbi. And so that's the protection. But it is fundamentally a cable TV company, and Woj is bad at TV. Uh <laughs> So it's a it's a bit of an awkward fit because they have to find spots for him. They have to find ways to feature him, but he's just not good at this. And I'm not saying it like I am. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just trying to be descriptive. I don't think I'm very good at television. Um, but he also. I think he's good. improved, though. You think he's improved? Yeah. I mean, he might he might have improved. I, I think there's a. I'll allow for it, but it's definitely a situation where they feel on the TV side 
like they've got to include him or involve him and it's not what they would want to do they would want to watch Stephen A and Mad Dog Russo yell at each other that's that's what we all want you know that's what they we should all want. do that eight hours a day <laughs> yeah that's I mean Stephen A just loves it he just loves it just beaming he's so into it um, he, he but, missed the days of having shows like this with Skip he missed them. Oh, yeah. He wants the antagonist. T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. T-Rex wants to hunt. That's that's <laughs> really the uh, Jurassic Park aphorism I'm remembering right there. But it's difficult for me to talk about because I, I have to say some of the reporting that I have done has reverberated, Ryan, through the halls <laughs> in Bristol. And so if I just start praising people, there's this fear or this sense that oh that must be that must be Ethan's mole right which the reality is uh, if we're talking about Woj uh, there's not just one person I mean especially on the TV side of things a lot of people kind of tired it tired of it but he's he's resigned so I guess he's king so you know we'll see how it all goes we'll see how it all shakes out I think that it will generate some content for me Ryan uh, down the road and uh, remain entertaining at least at least on that end of things so. I will take this call from Charlie. I'm just trying not to get aggregated, which is so stupid. I should just be rewarding the people. What do I worry about? Who's going to fire me? I, we no one's aggregated us yet. Well, that's no how we'll know we made it. That's how that's how we'll know. Charlie, are you going to be the one to get us aggregated? We'll see how it goes, fellas. First of all, I gotta say, I'm just I'm a little mad you said you introduced Blippy into my life and got me on a damn Blippy wormhole now. Oh jeez. Yeah. 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 Look, well, you look, call me back when you have a two year old asking for, like, not just Blippi, but the specific Blippi video oh, that we've already my, watched oh, 45 times. Jeez, I thought I was the only one who went through this where I, I like, I, apologies to the non kid havers out there, <laughs> but he has a, a firm opinion of the exact episode and you can't find it and it's a problem. <laughs> oh, God. And it's can't not just with Blippi either. Like it's, I had that with the show super Y, which is a PBS show. She's like explaining the subject of it in total nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. This is my life. This is so much of what happens because there's the language barrier. They're trying to figure out how to describe it, and they're mad that you don't just get it. It's like you're the <laughs> customer service rep that they're yelling at, basically. As you fumble around. Is there like acting like Veruca saw? I want this now. Yeah. yeah. Can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. All right, so go um, ahead. Um, so, what's your yeah, question? Okay. So, so putting aside the general idea, which I agree with, that you say like Twitter is a toxic place, what your band said. Johnny High Roller, um, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, goddammit. Pardon me, pardon me. That's so, okay. like, I agree with that, right? But you referenced Twitter um, in regards to, like, what Twitter thinks versus what Mad Dog Russo thinks. And then you, Ethan, you often talk about NBA Twitter as kind of this, like, it's a I don't culture. know what. Yeah, it's a culture. But I would argue, though, that everyone says Twitter for their own reasons as just mm. kind of like a vague placeholder for uh some nonsense they disagree with definitely you know, or, um and it's a good straw man and it provides yeah, straw man. Straw man. that's the that's the academic term i'm looking for so um when you say like i catch nba media doing this a lot they'll say well twitter said it's like if you just say because <laughs> twitter doesn't tweet by itself as just a machine like yeah but so, there's this in crowd that ha cultivates 
the like you know consensus opinion and any deviation from they, it they, they will like turn us, you into like a but, football but I, pylon. Yeah, they I get tell that. us when we can make fun of Ben Simmons and when we can't. Like it's sort of like a Simon Says stop and go. You know, yeah, that's how I, think of it as. I mean, I and I agree with that, but I would say even within that crowd, instead of just saying like like it's way less passive aggressive if you're like, hey, uh, I don't know. Brian Windhorst had a tweet, had a mm. perspective I disagreed with. Then saying like, I saw, and then if you don't say its name, the person's name, it's just like, just say the person's name. It's way really less weird. Yeah, you I know? mean, I have this feeling on when people say an actor did a bad accent. You need to tell me why and how, because you're just right. broadcasting that you've got some refined knowledge of glottal whatever uh, that you're not actually explaining, and it feels unfair. It feels dismissive. I need to. I, I need an explanation of how the accent is bad. Yeah. So and it, I, I agree, sorry, go ahead. But it is also a culture. And it's funny, these cultures change. I was just thinking about how Reddit is like a very liberal space. and But it wasn't like that in the beginning. It was like a reactionary kind of male, male brain space. And so there are these movements. And now like Twitter, that Musk is running it, it might become you know, more conservative after becoming very liberal. And so these things, like, they do have a culture of their own. They do have this sort of collective sensibility. Yeah, it's so weird how you mentioned that with Reddit, but I noticed that, too. It's like the, it got so big that the moderators became targets and kind of were like, fine, we'll do it the way you want. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I don't know the story of Reddit and how Reddit took on that um, kind of, that sort of vibe shift, as they say. But, yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, they banned the Trump page. I think that's a pretty... Um, that's a, you know, a the probably moment of the transition. Yeah, that's a signal. Um, but, yeah, I think NBA Twitter, to what Charlie is saying, it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, I do want to kind of explain a distinction, because I was arguing this with my man Nate Duncan offline, because he was saying... He was saying that you say that Twitter doesn't matter, but then you talk about how it's important that Musk takes it over. I would never say that Twitter doesn't matter, to use a double negative. Twitter matters a lot. What I mean when I talk about how it's just distorting or it's not in line with what people want is that it's not in line with what people want. But it's very influential. It is where media arrives at its consensus, and it's quite influential with people of influence. So it is not reflective of public opinion and it matters quite a lot. It, yes. Both, that's, those, things uh, both those things at once. Yes. Yeah. Both of them. I feel so, you. you know, right. And Ryan, before I get out of here, if you need a ride, buddy, I can pick you up, put you in a soundproof <laughs> studio. Oh my God. Easy for me. <laughs> no, I, I need the steps. I'm sorry if I'm huffing and puffing. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a good one, dude. I don't. I. I just. There aren't enough hours in the day for me right now. <laughs> I, I completely relate to that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think maybe we'll get on out of here. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe call it early. I thought about doing politics, Ryan, but I don't know. I. You I know, I, let's spare everybody having us talk about abortion for twenty I minutes. Just like everybody's it. just. <laughs> I would love if those issues were discussed uh, in the way they are in first take. And I think that John Stewart robbed us of that by going on crossfire and pulling a JJ Reddick. You know, I, I would want to hear like a very kayfabe 
Stephen right. A. Smith. What, just, what about Tucker Carlson versus Rachel Maddow, which used to be a thing? It's incredible that that was a thing. I think he discovered her uh, in many ways. And elevated no, her. Oberman discovered and elevated her, but Tucker went on her show, I believe. Yeah, I, I need to go back in that, in that lore of how that all happened. But yeah. Because like, cause he made her, um, he, he like got her her break and then um, he was trying to get back to MSNBC and she told the company that that would be like a bad idea. And that came out and he was really pissed off about it. I mean, he has kind of lost his mind and, you know, as, as talented as a broadcaster as he was, uh, she's probably making the right call there, I, I would think. I mean, when it comes to the politics stuff, I, in a way, I was more interested um, in the returns in the primary and Ohio and, and what some of those indicators were, but we'll spare everybody. We're not going to do the politics. It's okay. You know? Yeah. We, we, the, um, there's just not, there's no upside for us to talk about it. There's no upside, but it's very meta. We're like talking about, talking about, is there upside? Yeah. It's, no, um, I just, I mean, it's all, I could try and explain myself very delicately and still mess up. And so I would rather punt. I'm assuming if that's the way yeah. I'm thinking. <laughs> Now you know, doggy, that I believe in a woman's... No, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel similarly. that, And I think that's where a lot of Americans are, where, you know, there's just a, a feeling of... This is so such a selfish way to feel, but I often, like, will acknowledge that an issue is important, and it matters, and it's a big deal, but I just don't want it to be the thing we're talking about right now. It's just not what I feel like talking about, you know? And I think, yeah, we're very privileged for that. And <laughs> just for that, I'm very thankful, but <laughs> it just, it's not, I don't know. I, um, I'll, I'll let the, there's no shortage of people sharing their opinion on the topic. So uh, people, yeah. um, can gravitate towards that if they want to help form their own opinion. We'll we'll take one Yu Yang question and then we'll get on out of here. He might he might talk up Jimmy High Roller based on what he's been putting in the chat. So oh let's take one and then get on out. No, okay. no, hello, hello guys. Yeah, no. Hey. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I, I had no idea Jimmy had like two million subscribers. I, I personally don't. I'm not a fan of his videos. I find them kind of boring. But I, I totally, uh, I, I, you know what, you, the way you wrote an article was definitely very sharp, Ethan, about how you compared like Mr. Beast and how many like people, you know, how famous he is, right? I totally agree with that point, Ethan. Actually, you know what? I, can I ask you guys a baseball question before you guys go today? Boom. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> is this going to be about the Reds? I'm, I'd be pumped to talk about the Reds. I have Reds takes. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> you know, this is a bit, a uh, bit of uh, a bit of a very specific question um so i, I don't know if this is weird or not but okay so i think one of the problems with the baseball right now there's like a million problems right but one of the problems that doesn't get talked about is how like batters uh hitters are getting really to get a fouling off pitches so like like you know who talked about that Ooh, what's ooh, the guy's ooh. name who is in the Red Sox front office? Bill James, Bill James, um, Bill James, the stats guy. Yeah, Bill James, James wrote yeah. about this. Bill James proposed that you get one foul ball with two strikes, and after that, another foul ball is a strikeout. Nobody, like, listened to him. He does his recent. That. Look it up. Yeah, yeah. That's actually where I got the idea from. I'm glad you, you saw it, too. Um, that's kind of what my, my, my question is to you guys, because I, I've thought about this, like, a, lot, a, long, a long time ever since, ever since I saw Bill James take about it. And I just don't think there's a, a good way to fix it. 
because like let's just say you go Bill James right where you get you got strike you strike out after uh, like maybe one or two foul pitches right then you're just going to increase the amount of strikeouts right but then, yeah. then if you don't have yeah. to go against that then hitters are going to are incentivized to foul off pitches and they're not going to adjust to it very well like they haven't adjusted to the shift like these hitters don't right. like Adjust at the speed you would like them to to maximize the enjoyment of the I'm, game. I'm very anti shift. You know, maybe that can be something mm. in the uh, no. There, that this is the last year of the shift. There is out of there. I love it. I love it. I don't <laughs> like that. I, I I'm not into that. I, you can't aim the ball. That's not something that other than Tony Gwynn and a few other people. That's not really something that you can do. And I, I just think players... Yeah, like Wade Boggs. Like, there's some, you know, hitters yeah, that could do some, it. But... but it's just like, play your position. I don't want to see... This is my bad dog take. I don't yeah, want like... stop in center field and shit. Imagine if, like, uh, imagine if an NFL team was like, yeah, we're doing three offensive linemen. Deal with it. Like, that's yeah. this is a sport now. No, it's... I, and I don't like... And frankly, I don't like the thing of the ball gets hit, and I have no idea if it's going to be a hit until the camera pans. Because... It, Hey, it's like, hey, when I grew up, you rocket that ball up the middle, it's yeah. a hit. And now I just probably, <laughs> probably not. And it's, it frustrates me. But I don't know how to solve the fouling off conundrum. Um, I like the idea of at a certain point, it's a strikeout. Maybe not at the point that Bill James does it, but. Yeah, this, five uh, of five, uh, like your third foul out. That's a good happy medium. Yeah, none of this Joey Votto shit. Although he's 11 pitch at bats. Those yeah. are so awesome, though, when they culminate finally, though. I don't know. I hesitate about taking that specific drama out of the game. You know what the issue is that I really don't know how to fix with baseball? Is that the starting pitchers. It was a huge element of the drama, watching them, you know, get out of jams late. You never see that anymore. They just cook them right away. Yeah. And there's no right answer to it because they throw harder now, which is more wear and tear on the arm, and they can't throw as many pitches as they used to be able to. It's just the way the body works, and it's not going to, like, I don't know, maybe what if they made it so you, like, you were not allowed to throw above, like, 98? That'd be a weird way to get ejected. I mean, I there's so much there. I mean, the whole issue of pitchers blowing their arms out more than ever despite resting more, which we also see in the NBA in this weird paradox where I suspect, based on no science, that maybe the human body just breaks down uh, according to whatever we ask it to do. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're telling it it has to throw nine innings, it's going to throw nine innings. And if we're saying, hey, right. maybe four or five, then it's going to go four or five because that's been this other this other paradox to what you're saying. So, yeah. But anyway, okay. So we said Yu Yang, but Yasarian's also in here. We'll yeah, take let me one go, more. Let me we'll go. Feel it. Okay. Make Yasarian the next caller. I feel like a baseball take is overtaken. Yasarian, that's my guess. <laughs> How could you tell? Yeah, we were talking baseball. Yeah, Big old well, heads over here. I thought it would be good for me to have you know to to veer away from my usual culture war takes into something more sports related. But of course, the discussion of baseball. I mean, there's so much wrong with baseball that it's hard to know even where to start. And and part of it, I think, is just it's a 19th century game in the 21st century. Yeah, and I I I just think that 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 fundamental issue is insoluble on some level. Um, yeah. 
and baseball can't get out of its own way. I mean, you know, I've been a Cardinals fan since I was eight, and this is the first year in a number of years where I'm not signed up for MLB TV because it's like, oh, you brought Albert Pujols back, great. But it's, you know, it's a designated hitter, and I just fundamentally dislike the DH. It, it alters the game in a way that I just really dislike. And it's like, you know, you had it in the AL, you know, why wasn't it enough to leave it there? And now I kind of like the idea of there's just one fat guy who can't really play the sport for real. You know, like I am kind of, you know, I, I, um, sympathize with the conclusion that you came to, but I disagree. I like the DH. So, um, I look, the, we all have like our aesthetic preferences. Like what if they got rid of double plays? That would really piss me off. I I love double plays. Like I remember there was this ESPN article covering Big Poppy and the, the the guy was in the dugout with him in the clubhouse. Not the dugout, the clubhouse. He was in the clubhouse with Big Poppy. And maybe this is stupid and I should have known this. I didn't know that Big Poppy as a DH would just sit in the clubhouse and watch the game on a TV and then when it was time to come hit you would say That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's something about that that's just hysterical to me. You're in the equivalent of a of a hotel room, basically. What if there yeah. was like a kicker or a punter who did that, who always just nailed it? Like it was like the best kicker or punter, but he just spent the dime in the locker room until it was his turn to play. I just, I, I kind of like that. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's quaint to me, but I understand where you're coming from, Yasiri. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so now they're talking about in the minor leagues, they're going to, you know, they're going to experiment with moving second base in. And it's just like, you know, I, they feel what other like sports newspapers tweaks it, all the time. It feels like the newspapers in the 2000s of making these moves to try to razz it up and die a little yeah. more slowly, but not actually, they're not actually able to figure out the big fundamental change that's going to grow them as opposed to shrink them. And those yeah. newspapers all still exist in some form, as does well, baseball. As will yeah. be. The analogy that I've seen that even like the Chicago back... Tribune that got gutted to nothing and that still mm-hmm. exists. Yeah. Sorry, well, go ahead, Yosarian. Tried tried to gut the LA Times, which is, you know, maybe staging a comeback. We'll see. But it's like I mean, baseball, I don't envy baseball and trying to, to, to deal with these issues because they are really hard issues. I mean, the analogy is like it's like Harley Davidson, right? Where Harley Davidson makes a certain kind of motorcycle that appeals to a certain now like aging demographic and anything it tries to do to appeal to a younger demographic is going to alienate its core market. And yet the, the market in amongst young people just isn't there. So what do you do with this legacy platform that is becoming less and less popular? And, and I don't know, but you know, pulling Clayton Kershaw in the seventh inning when he's throwing a perfect game, that ain't it, man. Whatever yeah. it is, that is not it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to fix it. I say they should lean into being the old person sport. They should be the Florida of sports. Where the you're CBS. Not, you're not living there now, but you're going to eventually get there. And <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah no, I agree. I agree with that. And Or the, or the, the you know, the with, – with, all the focus of the millennial generation on things that are authentic and original and like, you know, play that play up that angle. I mean, it is this old, old timey sport that you could bring 
guys who played it in the 19th and early 20th centuries back from the dead and they would recognize the game. It's the same game in many ways. It's just the, the, um, the analytics has just changed it for, for the worse. Yeah. Yeah. We knew, we know too much. It's an issue. Uh, pitching ninja account is helpful. Uh, that, that account I think is helping people <laughs> like baseball. John boy. Yeah. They got that going for them. So that's cool. Oh, I should get him on the pod. I should try to get a, a sense of his whole, uh, his whole spiel. John okay. boy. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. That, that does, that does remind me, Ethan. I also wanted shifting back to the culture war stuff. I did enjoy your podcast with, uh, Rod Henderson. So that was great. Oh yeah. Was that culture war? I felt like that was, you know, we kind of stayed out of the war while we were talking about it, but I can't remember. It seemed like we were maybe adjacent to the war, but we weren't really in it. We were in. Yeah, uh, I would, I would agree. You didn't lean into it certainly, but the more, I mean, it's impossible to talk about cultural issues in this day and age without it, you know, being somehow I, related to. Can I give one take on that, that that frustrates me? It'll be the last thing before we, we head on out. It's annoying to me that it's, that's been written about me that I'm, you know, doing culture war. I'm a cultural culture warrior, not necessarily because that description has been appended, but because so many people in media do culture war, but they just view it as having the right opinion. And therefore it's not culture war. It's culture war when you're not saying what 99% of the other people in media are saying. Take your full point. circle to the shut up and dribble from the beginning. Yeah. 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 It's, Yes, that's that's basically it. It's the only thing that's something that frustrates me where, oh, so you guys are not doing culture war when you talk about a range of cultural issues and broadcast political opinions and never disagree with each other. The war is disagreeing with the consensus, it would seem. Um, but anyway, that's another. Well, topic. no. And what what I like about your writing is it's not, you know, I mean, unfortunately for you, I, I, I like this. And so I call in and I inject this stuff in. But you know, you guys, you guys are much more sports focused and I don't, like I said, I've said, told you before, like I'm a casual Lakers fan and I don't like LeBron James. So I'm, I haven't watched the NBA in a long time. And I'm not watching Lakers article this year. coming up. You say, I, mean, you might, oh, I, I will look forward to that. You, you might get LeBron out this year, next year at the latest. <laughs> it's unraveling. Yeah. Well, I mean, you still have Jeannie Buss at the helm. So, I mean, what are you, you know, what are you going to do? But the article's about, tease, 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 <laughs> but, but you're saying, but anyway, saying. No, I don't I don't take your your cultural critiques as like, you know, the happy culture warrior. It's just you're you're making these observations that I think are trenching on point. And it used to be that sports was more of an escape from culture war nonsense. But now it's just another inextricable, you know. And so how are you going to be an, an, an intelligent, sensitive, informed sports commentator without being able to weigh in on this stuff? Unless, as you were touching on earlier, you know, you're just constrained by the the outlet that you work for or the relationships that you have in the industry. Yeah, I I think that it's it's difficult, and that's why a lot of people within sports media default to the uh, the current thing mindset. Uh, it's just a lot easier uh, than trying to step outside of it and getting yelled at by. I, I don't want to beat up on JJ Reddick. He's a good analyst. I just felt it. It was a little huffy to me. Just a little <laughs> huffy is all I'm saying. He's, He's a dookie, so feel free to bash away. You know, I feel like he's almost counter-signaling that. He's trying to go the other way. Anyway, anywho, great show as always. Thank you to all. We will be back next week. I'll be in my apartment, my house next week. I will not be in <laughs> the mean streets of Lakeview. Yeah, uh, the sound quality will, will improve markedly. 
And hopefully I get this Laker thing out by then. Maybe that'll be a thing to discuss. That's a thing to tease. Okay, everybody, stay safe out there. All right, bye, guys. See ya.